Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. to another BritFlix.com podcast. My name's Stuart Wright, and today's returning guest, director of films such as The Living and the Dead, Red, White and Blue, and The Fantastic Crowhurst, is Simon Rumley. Welcome to the show. Thanks very much. Great to be back. I think I, I was trying to work it out. I think it's my third time, maybe. I think it is. I think it is. Well, third third time lucky is, uh, is a phrase. I wouldn't say that about coming on my podcast, but third time... Yeah, neither of them were unlucky, so... Um... But but third time a change of medium. We're gonna we're gonna we are gonna talk about three films that impacted everything in your adult life. But before we do, we're gonna talk about your debut novel, The Wobble Club, which is about a morbidly obese South London couple and what happens when one goes on a diet and the other refuses. Um right. now that's that's published on the twenty sixth of October by White Fox Publishing, is that right? That that is very right, yeah. And I'll put links in the show notes. People can pre-order on various places where you pre-order stuff. But I'll put a link that I've got for one of them. I guess, I guess, given that you, you're you're obviously more known for your filmmaking, um, what, why? Can I start with the very big basic question of why write a novel, not make a, not make a film? Yeah. Um, basically, between 2013 and 2019, I made four feature films and they were each a nightmare in different ways. Um, and two of which I was very, or I, I remain very, um, creatively happy with them, two of which I don't. Um, and, and enough, and, and, and the distribution on, on one was, was impossible. You know, it was, it was, Bought by our main competitors, who then tried to bury it. That being Studio Canal, mm-hmm. um, and 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 off, you know, and and you, you put well, I I put as most directors do, you know, that their, their, their soul and their heart and their, their life into making things, films that that we think 
are going to be great and good and, and that everyone's going to you know, be as passionate about as, as you are. Um, and in the end, this never really quite pans out. Um, and, and so after doing these four films, none of which were, as I said, were very easy. I was like, I, I really need a sabbatical from this or, <laughs> or a rest because I, I've kind of lost my belief in, in making films and, and working with people. And, you know, you, you think people automatically know what a good film is. Of course, most people don't. Otherwise, every film that is ever made would be really good. Which has indeed, been, is, indeed, is, we'd, we'd put it in a bottle. Further from the we'd, yeah. bo- we'd bottle it um, and sell it, wouldn't we? If we knew if we knew what the yeah, formula was. Well, exactly, exactly. So, um, so yeah, so, so I, I'd had this idea for, for for quite a while, to be honest. And you know, I, I've written all, well. I've been writing scripts since about twenty four. But actually, before I wrote my first script, I actually, after I left the university, wrote a, a novel, which remains unpublished to this day. But at, at that point, at the age of 22, I was like, actually, I think it was 20, 21, actually. Um, I was like, you know what? I, I, I either want to become a film director or a novelist. Um, and, and so at that point, writing a novel seemed the easiest thing to do. So I, write, I did write a novel. Um, and at the time, it was a very... As it still is to a point, it was, it's an isolating experience because you spend all the time by yourself. Um, but, but nonetheless, I enjoyed the experience and was very proud to have written a novel and, and always at some point wanted to go back and write another novel, um, or maybe even more than another novel. So it just, this seemed like the perfect timing, really, the, the so, perfect storm. Okay. Okay. So, so what, what for you, what was the interest in the morbidly obese? Where does where does the kernel of that idea begin for you? That then becomes the novel that we we're going to see on the twenty sixth of October. I, I think I, I'm not entirely sure exactly when I had the idea, but it was it was definitely a good few years ago. Um, and Nadi and and since then, well, I, I guess at my height, which was actually sh- after shooting and editing, and actually pretty much spending on and off. A, a year in Louisiana and more specifically New Orleans, okay. where the portions of food are just like crazy, crazy. Um, and, and all fried. You, you, and all fried. Yeah, like literally. I mean, you know, obviously not everything, but a lot of it is. And, and it's, it's, you know, it's great food, but, um, and, and, you know, one doesn't want to waste stuff. So, but, but it, it's just like, it, it, you have to go there to actually quite understand how big everything is. Um, and, and so I came back and, and I, I, you know, I was at my, you know, definitely the peak of, of, of my weight and, you know, a lot of my clothes weren't fitting me and, and I was, you know, struck, well, I was, you know, trying to walk up the tube and just like sweating at the top of it. And, and, um, and, and at some point, my, my, my girlfriend is German and she, she fasts like, like as in she stops eating for, for anything from five to 10 days. Um, and and at some point, you know, this fascination of kind of me eating and, and actually really enjoying it, drinking, of course, and enjoying it, and, and actually being a massive chocolate fan and sweet fan and eating, you know, you know, sometimes eating two or three chocolate bars a day, um, kind of combined with my fascination with addiction, um, and then and then actually also in the end, me losing a bit of weight, and then me actually. I, I I was inspired by my girlfriend to to fast as well. Mm. Um, and at some point, all this kind of came together, and I was like, "Wow, you know, what what an interesting idea." Um, 
to and and it was it was very much that that one sentence as a you know the Hollywood pitch the elevator pitch you know what happens when a morbidly obese couple uh, when 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 one of the guys wants to go on, on a diet and and his his partner refuses it's like bang you're in there you know because it's all the tension drama conflict upset pain intrigue that comes from that um, and it's a very you know immediate pitch and and you know as you know a lot of my films are also well, a lot of my work is is psychological, hmm. and and this is also you know a very psychological thing. You know, what what makes people eat so much that they can hardly move? Um, yeah, no, no, it was interesting. And- I was asking a friend of mine who who recently lost all the weight about for some advice, and and he said this method he'd done. He, the words he used were it completely changed my relationship to food. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, what what did he do? He did the uh, the noom, which I think has got a bit of. I think it's more calorie counting, um, but yeah. you also learn how to fill yourself up without needing to do all oh, the calories at the same time. It, it's 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 you know to, to me it's an endlessly fascinating subject because you know and and we're talking not people who are overweight here. We're talking just to qualify the morbidly obese again. I I don't you know in in the book I, I never use. The, the phrase morbidly obese, mm. um, but the, the guy is like forty-two stone, and and the woman is thirty-six stone. Blimey, all right. And 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 one of the things that actually encourages the the, the guy who's called Broly to go on a diet or some kind of diet is that his best mate, who's about forty-six stone, um, has to have well both his legs amputated. Um, and and decides that he doesn't want to. He has one amp, one leg amputated, but decides he doesn't want to have both of them amputated. So so he does you know a Nicholas Cage leaving Las Vegas, but rather than drinking himself to death, he decides you know in, in a very positive way to actually eat himself to death. Um, um, so so that's the inspiration for for our our hero Broly to actually say you know what fuck it I I don't actually want this to happen to me. Um, so I'm gonna. Try and do something about it. Brilliant. Uh, one last question about the book. Um, what, mm. what, what for you was the sort of um, biggest storytelling challenge pulling this together? Um, but you know, if, you, if you're dealing with the psychology of our relationship with food, mm. you know, what 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 necessarily makes that dramatic and psychological? What what, what was the challenges there for you? Well, I, you know, like all my, all my, well, a lot of my, well. Yeah, a lot of my stuff. It, it starts off, you know, very much set. Try to set the characters in a reality, um, but it, you know, I, I push everything to the extreme. Um, and but because hopefully they've been based in a reality, you know, the, the extreme of what happens is still believable, um, and and actually does go dark, increasingly dark, mm. um, and does go, you know, Stephen King horror to to a point. Um, which you'll 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 know what I mean if, if you read it. Um, so in terms of the, I, th- I think in terms of you know the, the, the complexity of writing it, I, in the end the novel is like is one hundred and twelve thousand words, which is is you know is not short for novels. Yeah. It's, it's obviously isn't one piece, but it's a, it's a longer novel. Um, I think for me, because I, I think more in terms of scenes, it, it's it's. Um, and you know you can knock out you know ten fifteen scenes in a day depending on what how long they are, um, but with with writing a novel, I found myself um, writing a lot of stuff that in the end I didn't use. So actually I wrote about two hundred thousand words, 
Um, okay, so, so you, you you were killing your darlings even even when you had that when it didn't matter because the novel obviously yep. doesn't have the same restrictions as the sort of natural process of making a movie because people are people are aware no. of time as much as anything else that costs money. Whereas a book doesn't have the same constraints, does it? No, 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 no. You're exactly right. And 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 you know having shot films and having edited, you know, or at least, you know, co-edit all my films. Um, one, one of the satisfying things actually is to, is to edit your stuff and literally take stuff out because, because you only take stuff out that you really don't think, you know, helps the story. So because I've done that, you know, throughout my whole life with films, it was, even though it was kind of in, you know, kind of annoying, frankly, that I wrote so much and then cut so much out, but nonetheless, it's 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 everything everything you know whether it's films or novels it's like you know wh- what works for the plot and what and, and so and, 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 and I guess you know I mean I've only experienced around screenplays but you know you have to write what isn't right and see it that it's not right before you can discount it you know an idea is yeah. is, is always worth trying and that's yeah no absolutely and, and you know and and when I write scripts I, I have a Something that Final Draft has never done, which I, I don't know why, because I'm sure I can't be the first person to come up with this. But, um, well, you know, I often, as we all do, write, write scenes, which then, you know, I don't use or, or then I take out. Um, and, and But I, I have to, you know, then save them as, as, as a file in Final Draft, and then I put them in, in, a, um, in a folder, which, you know, which I call Reject Scenes. Um, but but yeah, you know, it's 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 relatively easy to write a scene. You know, it may take you an hour, it may take you half an hour, um, and if you don't, or it's, you know, it may take you ten minutes. And if you don't like it, it's like, well, sometimes it takes you five. But you know, in the end, you're like, well, whatever, um, that doesn't work. I'm I'm, I'm scrapping it. Um, but with a novel, you know, you can write, you know, a chapter. You can write five pages. You know, in reality, if you write five pages, I mean, I, I don't know how quick I am, but you know that 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 quite possibly will take me a day to write. Yeah. So so suddenly, if, if I write, let's say forty scenes, um, um, in a film script, which I then take out, that that may be, you know, in total a day, a day and a half's writing o- over maybe a month of writing. Um, if if I do that in terms of novel, it's actually it, it's 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 a lot longer. So um so that that was yeah for me that was. You know, it's part of the process, and, and I'd like to think, you know, if I do write another book, which I hope I will, um, you know, I'll understand the process a little bit better and, and be a little bit better at not writing a crazy amount of words, which half of which I then cut out anyway. Well, look, congratulations on your debut novel, The Wobble Club, available from the 26th of October from White Fox Publishing. And now we're going to move into three films that have impacted everything in your adult life. Now, for those people that haven't heard this format before and are tuning in for the first time, Simon has given me three film titles. We're going to—he's going to talk to me about the memories that they—they—they—they um, they, they they hold for him, and we're only going to do that for five minutes. Film number one in the list you gave me, doing it in the order that you did give me the films. I'm going to start with 1986's Stand by Me. What is it about that film? What memories does that hold? Where do you see that for the first time? Who do you see it with? Huh. Um, well, I think I was 20, 21. I saw it in the Tomridge Wells, um, whatever, well, whatever the cinema was called in Tomridge Wells, which I, I 
saw films growing up in. And I think I saw it with my friend Karen Harris and I think Chris Baker. And I think afterwards we went to maybe Pizza Hut or something like that. Okay. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it, it, it's it's a film that has stayed with me ever since. So it's you know, and as as it has with a lot of people, I think. And and as you know, you know, a lot of my films that I do are pretty kind of hardcore and psychologically tough and stuff. And and there's something, even though the content of what this is about, you know, kids going to, looking for a dead body, it, it's such a beautiful film, and it, it just captures that that kind of moving out of childhood and into into kind of adulthood really well and and um and it's literally on on the cusp of of that i think and and i think for me i i at the time you know in in my teenage years i and probably up until 21 ish um i was either rockabilly um or psychobilly depending on which which way i combed my hair but you know i i was a big fan of of rock and roll as well which is um and you know Elvis and Eddie Cochran and um you know Buddy Holly and stuff and 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 so anything that that set during that point in time and specifically with with that kind of music was something that I I immediately kind of had had some kind of affection towards and and the the soundtrack of that is is of course all all that kind of music so so that that was a a great starter for me um and and I I I guess in the end you know it was. It was also, you know, the, the lead character. I, I suppose I can't say often. I, I look at films and go, "Hey, that that's kind of me," um, or identify with that character that much. But I, I think, you know, I think it was, it was Gordy Lechance. I think was his name. Um, and you know, he he was such a kind of ev- every kind of every kid kind of thing. And you know, he he was the, the one who you know with you know everyone around him seemed mad or they seemed kind of from the, the wrong side of the tracks, but they were friends. Um, and he just seemed like, like the, the normal kid, but he was still struggling of course with his, with his brother's death. So he wasn't as normal as, as he may have seemed. Um, and, and I didn't have, I, you know, I didn't have a brother who died of course, but, um, but there was something about him. I, I think I just, you know, felt a, a, a great empathy for really. Um, and, and of course you, you've then got some, you know, the, the great cameos of, of, um, um, Ace, the character who played Ace, um, Kiefer Sutherland. You Kiefer Sutherland. There you go. Um, and sorry, um, yeah, and 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 so is is this kind of another film which not dissimilar? Although I watched when I was older because it was released later. Was Dazed and Confused, but I, I guess when I watched it, you know, again, even though the film was set in in America in a part of America that I've, I'd never been to and probably still haven't. It, it just felt like it was something that I could have gone through as my childhood and 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 my kind of kind of coming of age and and you know that, that just hanging out with your mates and chatting and talking and you know the whole thing that you know girls are coming into the conversation and you, you're starting to you know you are starting to grow into a man and, and and the 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 kind of life that they had which was well actually all the characters are fairly complicated which is again you know one of the great things about the script. But you know, nonetheless, in terms of them and 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 how they then grew up and and what they became as adults, you know, that was still and and that's probably what the film's about. You know, that there, there was such a kind of innocence to them and naivety and and just kind of you know that that that, that beauty of friendship and just taking things for what they are, you know, r- rather than being 
you know, then, then affected actually by, by, you know, things that we're affected for by the rest of our lives and, you know, when bitterness comes in and stuff. So, so that, there's there's such a lot there, I think, in terms of what's going on. I, th- I, I, don't, know what you, I don't know what you, Simon, but I think, I think that the film captures that, like, the space race that you're in when you're a young person to become an adult and then the different rates at which your group of friends, because obviously you grow up with friends and you grow up differently, you grow up at different rates. So suddenly mm-hmm. you've got the one who's smoking, drinking before anyone else has even thought about doing something remotely rebellious, let alone picking up yep. bad habits. And also I think one of the things that stands out when rewatching this film now as an adult, as obviously I saw it as a kid myself, is the lack of influence of adults. It's that real sort of Lord of the Flies element to it, mm. which is kids looking after themselves. And obviously when they come across Ace's gang, it's like Ace's gang is the big bad baddies. Yeah, yeah. And that's our, and that's our five minutes uh, while I was yeah. in the middle of just giving you my thoughts on it. <laughs> well, it was great, great to hear your thoughts. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I, I love that film. And it's, 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 I actually watched. I watched a lot when I was, you know, over the years, and, and I haven't watched it for a long, long time. But I actually watched it a couple of, well, you know, I think around the time we started talking. Yeah. And and sometimes films hold up, sometimes they don't. But it, it to, to to my mind, it holds up perfectly, and it's a very good, funny, tight script as well. Hey, y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me what inspires your music, and one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, yeah, it's a good, it's a good, it's a good ninety minute, and it's, and it, yeah, and the dialogue's great. A bit like yeah, it was weird. It's weird that you mentioned Days Confused because, in a way, they both benefit from the fact that they were made out of time from when they're set. I mean, in, in other words, they're period. Yeah. They're essentially period dramas, but they're period dramas not going back to Victoriana or the Wild Frontiers. It's just yeah, yeah. within somebody's living memory. But the fact is, within somebody's living memory. It's a, it's a recycled version of it. So therefore, when you when you do get the chance to go back to it, it's it's not a kind of snapshot of that time at all. It's a it's somebody's memory of what that time was. So yeah, yeah, and 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 with that comes a nostalgia and and, yeah. and you know, a kind of 
almost a rose tintedness again yeah. even though the you know stand by me you know there's a lot of dark stuff going on um but yeah yeah i, I love it and you know it's it remains one of my favorite films and uh going back 10 years then and maybe a selection that people who know your work might be more expecting to see in the list is um mm. scorsese's taxi driver from 1976 do you want to yeah. tell us where where that fits in your uh your film memories, where have you, where have you, where have you banked it in terms of how you well, feel? Well, I, I, I watched, I, I've, you know, back in the day when, when there were good old video shops and video nosters and, and, mm. and all the video shops were, you know, they, they smelt of nicotine and there was a bunch of weirdos who just kind of seemed to, you know, hang out there and work there and, you know, wear, wear dirty coats there and stuff. Um, I, I guess I was probably 13, or maybe 14 actually. So I, I got this from my local video shop, also in Tumbridge Isles, right near to where my dad worked. And um, do you remember the name? The really, of, do you remember the name it, of your video shop? No, I, I don't actually. It's I, I remember it had a, a yellow logo. That's about as much as I remember. Okay, go on. Um, and I, I remember that the woman who worked there was had long, long white bedraggled hair. I, I guess it was blonde. And she was a real smoker and <laughs> she was a bit of a character, really. Um, so I do remember her. Um, and th- so the, the, the crazy thing was, a week before, I'd gone in there with my dad. And, you know, we're watching, you know, look, we're looking at all the labels. And he's like, you know, what do you want? What, what do you think? And I was like, oh, I don't know. Uh, and, then I, and then I saw The Exorcist. And I said, oh, look, I've, I've heard this is quite good. And this is why I was literally 13. And so he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I've heard that's pretty good as well. Should we get that then? So I was like, yeah, okay. You know, neither of us obviously had a clue what it was about. <laughs> um, so so we, we we went home, watched this with my mum. And, and you know, we were you know, a, a nuclear English family kind of thing. And, and and of course, when that, you know, that scene came on, you, you could literally, well, apart from the actual noise that the, you know, the, the, the film was making, you know, I could feel my parents tighten up and tension and I could and stuff. And you know, there's a whole masturbation thing. Um, and, and in credit to my parents, they, 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 we all watched it, finished the film and, and never spoke about The Exorcist again. Um, <laughs> However, so, but next week I, I got um, Taxi Driver out by myself. Did, again, didn't know really anything about it. Of course, why would I? I was thirteen. Um, I hadn't seen a trailer or anything. Um, so what drew what, what drew you to it then? If you if you knew nothing about it, what what do you remember being the attraction? I I, I mean I think I I might, I I might have heard of uh, I I you know I mean I used to go to the video shop probably every week. Yeah. Um, and and so you know and and whilst all, there was always new titles, of course, there's always a lot of the old titles. So at some point, you know. You kind of saw covers, and of course, you know New York. New York. I think, I guess, the covers probably, you know, Robert De Niro walking along in New York Street with his hands in his pockets, and it, it, it's 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 not it's not what you would sell as an image, but it's such a cool image in a, in a way. Yeah. And it's it's you know even then it felt, I guess, a little bit iconic in its own way. Um, and I, I guess I I must have read, you know, I, I could read, of course. Um, I was quite good at good at school. Um, you know, I, I guess I must have read what it was about. Thought, you know, hey, that that sounds kind of cool. You know, um, so anyway, so I watched that film at home by myself. And and what's the funniest thing was both my parents came in separately, saw some of the scenes, and said, "What are you watching this time?" And I was, I had to say, well, uh, well, it's it's you know, it's it's a really good film. 
And they said, oh, for God's sake, well, just, just, my dad said, oh, for God's sake, just, okay, just don't tell your mum. My mum was like, oh, for God's sake, just don't, don't tell your dad. Um, and, and, and again, you know, another relatively hardcore film for a 13 year old to watch. But again, you know, I loved it. And, and, and I, I think, I, I think I, at some point I bought it on video and I, I, I had the big poster of, of you know, those, you know, those massive kind of six foot posters, which I had in my bedroom which somehow I lost over the years, which I'm still a bit pissed off about. Um, but I watched it like, you know, 25 times over the years. And, and, and of you know, I guess everyone who's seen it, you know, pretty much, oh, actually, yeah, you know, pretty much everyone, you know, loves it really. Um, so, but I guess, you know, so for me, probably, you know, what I love about it's probably the same as most people, but, you know, of course, Robert De Niro is so, you know, he's cool in it, he's, he's dangerous, he's unhinged, but, you empathize with him, you know, and, and, and of course the, the, the politician, you know, all, all politicians are evil. What's interesting of course is, is this guy, it's not like in, you know, the dead zone where, where actually the politician, the, 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 um, was it Martin Sheen character, you yeah. know, is proven to be proven to be, um, evil. And, and so his death is like a good thing in this, in the tax driver, you, you actually never, Really, you know, the, the politician is, relatively speaking, an okay guy compared with all the all the other kind of nutcases and characters and stuff. Um, but you know, Robert De Niro, you know, he is the antihero, really. Uh, oh shit! I've got to stop again. He, he is, he is an antihero, and it's what's interesting. I think, I think, in a way, given the way Paul Schrader wrote the screenplay, um, that the politician might not be a bad person himself, but I suppose um, Travis Bickle is a victim of the state. Yeah, no, of course. Whether whether we know he did or he didn't go to war, he's certainly damaged. So the guess, the, the understanding is he's been. I don't think he ever mentions he's been to war, but the understanding is that he's a he's post Vietnam, isn't he? And he's just been basically thrown the heap. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and you know, and, and the whole depiction of you know street life and 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 just it was like people living you know like animals. And of course, you know, that there's the Clash song. Um, you know where, where they where they they, they quote um, lyrics from it. You know, and and, and you know the, the one about the, the people, the, the the rain washing away all the scum on the streets mm. and stuff. And, and actually, the Clash are mentioned in the credits, um, or, or thanked in the credits. And and I've never quite quite got to the bottom of why, but I I, I think you know he, he went to see them when they played in New York at Bond Square or something for like some sold out you know, 16 night residency. So there's that. And, and, and then there's the, you know, there's a sexuality of it. Again, I was, I was, you know, again, coming, you know, becoming more of an adult, you know, and, and. If you, I it, mean, it was, as, well, it, as well as if you think as well, what five years later, or is it four years later, you get the pure exploitation version of this, the ex- exterminator, which yeah, doesn't, which is about as subtle as a brick in the face. I mean, still a very fun film from its time, but. But it's still and 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 my first trip to New York was nineteen ninety five, so that's twenty years, more or less twenty years as this film was shot, and that kind of forty second Street had more or less vanished. You know the whole kind of cesspit yeah. of of America yeah. that would have would have been in New York, and that and and thinking about the time, you know seventy six seventy seven was more or less when New York went bankrupt. You know it, it, it yeah it was got, and. and- yeah, and and you know, and, and I only really kind of realised this quite recently, and 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 after watching all those films, and you know, the Warriors, and and and, and you know, 
Ford Apache, the Bronx, and 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 whatever else. It's like I saw a film called um, Wolfen, I think it is, and it's set in the Bronx, and it looks like it, it looks like you know Berlin post well Germany post Second World War. It's it's absolutely flattened, raised to the ground, and you're like, hang on, this was shot in the late seventies, <laughs> and, and and it's incredible, and and this is something that people don't quite realize how fucked up New York was. And of course, you know, I, I'm, I'm no expert, but you, you, you do watch some of these films and, and, and the lawlessness is, is there um, for sure. Um, and there's actually an amazing, if you're into that kind of stuff and going back to, you know, well, what isn't there on 42nd Street? And well, there's a guy called Legs McNeil who, who wrote it, well, who, who compiled a book called The Oral History of Porn. And, and, and a lot of that is, it's set between, essentially set between LA and New York. But that is a lot about, you know, all the sex theatres and, 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 and what went on. And it, it's, it's just like a crazy, crazy time, which, you know, is, it's so far away from now. Absolutely. It, it's unbelievable. I, rec- and, I, rec- and I recently saw um, Betty, um, Betty Gordon's film, Variety, from 1983, which is very much, a, I guess, a, I f- a female's point of view of, of a similar really- New York with a female protagonist. Um, it, it play, it's just basically just got a reissue. It's just literally been reissued on its 40th okay. anniversary. And it, I'd never heard of it and watching it, the BFI, yeah. it's fantastic. Yeah. Cause you get that, you get what you get now. when you look at, at uh, taxi yeah. driver, you get that social history, which a film, you know, whereas we're talking about the nostalgia that, that permeates through stand by me, both taxi driver and, and variety for that matter become social history documents of a time like timestamp yeah, in New yeah. York that, that doesn't exist anymore. Because, I mean, Christ, by the time I, I mean, 95, it was changing. Then I, I remember going in 2000 to do do, do, do a, a news article for a magazine. And I was walking from Madison Square Gardens through to Avenue C. You know, my guidebook yeah. that I had from the 90s had said, never go east of Avenue A. And there I am, just wandering through yeah. New York and not caring because... Yeah, yeah. A bit like the way London's changed under our feet while we've been living here the last God knows how many decades. Uh, well, and, and and the Lower East Side, of course, is is um you know is is actually where what became you know what became of which is what you're kind of talking about, kind of east of you know the, the Alphabet Avenues and stuff. Hmm. That that's kind of you know that became like hyper trendy, and, and that's where um Moby opens you know his his vegan or vegetarian restaurant and. That's yeah. kind of where the stroke started playing, and yeah, you got and, that whole kind of Williamsburg thing and all that that came after that, and yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah. look, uh, moving swiftly along, um, but not going as far forward as Stand by Me. We're going to go to 1984 for Gremlins. Yeah, another, another choice that surprised me when I saw this on your list. So go on, talk to me about where this fits in with the Simon well, Rumley well, watching films. These are films that I saw when I was youngster. So you know, I, I did see films like. Well, The Exorcist, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but Gremlins was, you know, and, and I thought I'd better th- choose one kind of horror-ish kind of film. Um, and, and Gremlins, I, I was at school. Um, so again, I was probably like 14 or so. And and I think at the time, it was the only film that I saw in the cinema twice. So I went with all my mates from school. Hmm. And, and, and I, no, I think I'd seen it by myself, or no, with a friend. And then suggested that I went with my friends from school because we had a Christmas outing every year, kind of thing. 
So we went to see that. And um, again, you know, going back to the rock and roll stuff, you know, it starts with, you know, rocking Ricky Rialto playing the, the, the Ronettes, you know, the, the, the best Christmas song ever. Um, or was it? No, it's not the Ronettes, is it? It's actually, um, um, fuck, who's it about? Ba- baby Come Home. Um, but you know the one. And, um, and, and then, and I love snow. So it's said in, you know, I love Christmas. I love snow. Mm. Um, and, you know, I, and Phoebe Cates, I, I just had an immediate crush on when I saw her again, as I guess I wasn't the only one. Um, I don't think you were alone. And, <laughs> I don't think I was alone. Um, exactly. And, um, and you know, that, that small town Americana again, I love. Um, so it was, it was, again, it was selling the scene very well. And of course, Corey Feldman's in it, who was in also in Stand By Me and, and actually in another one of my favorite films of, of my growing up was, which of course, well, is, is, is the Lost Boys. Mm. So, you know, he was in like three of my fa- all time favorite films, to be honest. Um, and, and he's, and of course he's got a slightly less, lesser role to, to Zach Galligan's lead. Um, but you know, he's, he's always great. Um, and then, of course, you know, there's 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 Gizmo, and and it's such a kind of it's a kind of crazy conceit, of course, but and and but it never felt like science fiction, you know, in, in a way that so many of these things, like like you know, the, the Blob or whatever's like, you know, it, they or, or the Day of the Triffids, you know, they're science fiction, but somehow Mogwai, um, and 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 kind of, you know, felt like it could be real because it's a little bit like, you know, pet that you, you know, hamster between a cat or whatever. Um, so, and, and something that you could kind of communicate with. And it's so sweet. And I, I'm not a massive animal lover, to be honest, but, you know, you, you can't not kind of love that, that little gizmo. Um, and, um, and then, of course, you know, I, I, so there were all these great setups. And then, of course, bit by bit, you know, and those three rules, you know, was it don't, don't, you know, don't feed them after, was it? Don't feed, feed them, them after midnight. Midnight. Don't put them in water. Um, can't remember what the other one was. Um, but so, yeah, and, and it's like, again, it's such a brilliantly written script. And, and it's it's that perfect kind of example of what, what is a good Hollywood script. Um, you know, for all the films I, I love, like, you know, the Hodorowsky films or David Lynch films or Shinya Sokomoto films, you know, which kind of really don't, always pay that much attention to the rules you know this this kind of works on every kind of you know thriller beat um and it's it's really kind of you know from beginning to end it's just and you've got you've got joe dante one of the original masters of horror directing it and and on the one hand it's a cutesy it it, on the certainly the first half of the movie it's a cutesy almost like a family entertainment movie but yeah it does go for the horror doesn't it even though you've got that kind of cute hamster thing in the second half of the movie, it, yeah. the gremlins are quite nasty. It's not, you know, obviously it's it's, it's fantasy, yeah. but it plays like a horror film. Well, no, and 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 this is a, you know, again, it's the best horror film for you know kids and teenagers ever, really, because it is, you know, if, it, it is kind of at times if you're a little bit younger, you know, kind of scary because you know they're so they're a bunch of marauding, you know, kind of you know miscreants, really, and and. and all they want to do is, 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 you know, smash things up and hurt people. So, you know, so the, the, the danger of the gremlins, you know, once, once you get stripe and stuff is, is absolutely real. And actually I, I like gremlins so much that I, on my kind of, on the back of my leather biker jacket, I, I got someone in, in Hull market where I was at university 
to um to paint a gremlin that were a, a stripe and and it was a, an amazing job and and i'm really again when i lost my taxi driver posters i think i don't know if i lost them or someone nicked them i kind of feel the latter <laughs> but I, I lost my my biker jacket with the gremlin on the back of it, which which is, again to this day i'm still a bit annoyed about yeah sorry we're on our we're on our last uh, five minutes are up sir no I mean, it's interesting because because if I remember rightly, it plays on a kind of Eastern mysticism as the origins yeah. of the Gremlin, whereas yeah. all the knockoffs like the Critters, the Ghoulies, and all that kind of stuff, it be, it became this idea of something from outer space has has come to Earth, and we're all going to pay the price if we we don't defend ourselves. Yeah. Whereas there's this yeah. lovely, lovely cutesy thing that if you play by the rules, you'll have a cutesy thing forever, but be warned, um, and and being a and also being a Christmas movie made it can't give it give it that little that other little aside. Um Yeah. Yeah, and 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 you're right, you know, it, and it's almost like kind of in its own way, some kind of Zen Buddhist metaphor or or you know, for life, you know, you know, abide by these rules and everything will be fine. You know, disregard these rules and your life won't be fine. Um you know, <laughs> just thinking there of the gremlins being like a guide for Stoics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 no, exactly. exactly. Um, I, I like it. There's, there's, a, there's a novel for, for someone there. Um, and, and, and the other thing that you know, I, I also liked, um, he, he, which I think at the time I didn't quite get it, but at some point I was like, "Fuck!" Of course, they, they well, not of course, but they, they have clips of "It's a Wonderful Life," mm. um, you know, with with Jamie Stewart running through the Christmas town. So, so that, that kind of you know that double reference is nice, and of course Spielberg produced it. So. So yeah, it, it, to, to my mind, it's it's another, you know, perfect film. To be honest, you know, I, I don't think there's anything, you know, it, it's it's just like flawless, and which you can't. No, say I that can't. About. You won't you won't find any argument from me. Well, look, thank you for sharing three films that have impacted everything in your adult life. We heard you talk about Stand by Me, Taxi Driver, and Gremlins. And before we started that conversation, we had a chat about your debut novel, The Wobble Club, which is out on the 26th of October, 2023. And it just gives me to say thank you very much for joining us on the Britflix podcast. Hey, well, thank you for having me. As always, it's a pleasure. I, I look forward to time number four. <laughs> Indeed. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.